Welcome to On and Off the Pitch. Hello, hello, hello. It's me, Rodney Cyrus. I'm here, and I'll surely be joined by uh, Sophie. But it's a, a strange day, and I thought I'd kick it off with a little. I was going a little bit early, a little bit early, you know. Word of the day: altruistic. Yeah, look it up. This is what we're about: talking about other people. Sophie's, Sophie's here. I'm going to add her. Sophie, Sophie. Rodney, I I I, I tricked you mm. a little bit early. I know, I know. I was going to ramble and rant, but I just I just got giddy with myself sit, sitting here thinking, what am I doing? What am I doing? Uh, how are you? Uh, I'm I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not I'm not too bad. Uh, considering the time, it's tea time. For those who are wondering why it's. Uh, a little bit earlier in the afternoon, but I, what what I wanted to to start off with, which was kind of the thing that I was questioning, a lot of things that are going on. What, what, why why is the transfer window so important? What, what is what is it? What, you know, for me, I mean, I don't I don't understand the the the, the buzz around it, the clamour for transfer news. I mean, what does it what does it actually do? What does it achieve? If your club doesn't bring anyone in in January, will it change anything? Change how many games you go to? Will it impede your dress sense? Stop you wearing that flag, that shirt, that scarf? It's not going to change anything. It's not going to change anything. It won't actually do anything if the team that you support, especially in the women's game, doesn't bring in a player right now because the season. It's not going to change dramatically. And if you're bringing in a player, right, from wherever they come from, whatever club they leave, they've not been either getting enough game time, they've been sitting on the bench, no minutes, they're escaping from where they are because, what, the scenery? They want to play football, and it means that they're desperate to play. So it doesn't mean that they're going to magically have the, the X factor that your club has been looking for in January. I, don't, I, just, I just don't get it, you know, mm. for me. But anyway, I'll come back to that. Uh, Sophie, um, mm. what do you think about that? Um, if you do think anything at all. Oh, no. I, I... Have you had your afternoon nap? <sighs> you have yeah. Nap. <laughs> I have a nap. Um, <clears throat> no, I was, um, I was talking to someone in the US doing a... For, for a pub this morning um and we wrapped up at about 3 a.m and then we chatted till about 5 a.m um, that should have been then... the pod the the 3 to 5 a.m was the pod yeah no no we, we we talked about some fun stuff so yeah i've had had my nap no um i just in general transfer windows are, are you know something <sighs> fans a lot of fans are very vocal and agitated and mm, over transfer windows and I, some like some journalists love transfer windows because they can kind of like tease stuff out and they can be you know sort of like the sensational the yeah and, and others are like it's just you know it's boring and it's writing player signing announcements and stuff it's really i i don't i i assume most people haven't done it but it's just it you just do so many and it's it's like from here and it's you know it's this whole thing but 
if you kind of step away from that and I guess it's more in England at least it's like the summer window is, is a lot bigger but it's a massive it's a massive time for the player um because they're making they're making moves they're either trying to play more or they're making that dream move to a bigger club or you know they're stepping up to a professional environment or they're leaving their home country for the first time or they're doing x y and z and you know it's an important time for them and and it's all part of their their career and their path and their development so i always kind of feel bad for being like oh, i don't care about transfers when it's so important for the player but yeah, I think you make such a good point about, you know, fans aren't going to stop supporting a club if they don't sign players or, you know, in, 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 a, win- in a window. And it's it, you might like get the odd ex new fan or whatever if your club signs someone, um, that all things, you know, dependent. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of announce X, Y and Z and like fans just like tweeting at their club like, oh, why aren't you signing anyone? Why aren't you signing? that's like my that's like me going to my local shopkeeper and saying hey you haven't bought any of those new jelly babies you need to buy those new jelly babies and i just walk off and i say it every day yeah where are the jelly babies where are the jelly babies babies? why don't you buy something else he goes no i just want jelly and i just walk off Uh, you know i support the team i support the club if the club doesn't buy anyone in january no biggie yeah not the end of the world. I mean, there's there's like 27 different moving pieces when it comes to transfers and stuff. And, you know, like it's not like you're, you're talking about a human being as well that will have to uproot their life in one way or another. And yes, it's part and parcel of their job, but they have to be they have to get a fit and they have to feel comfortable in that club. And um, that club has to pay them enough that that club has to maybe trigger a release clause. You've got all these extra pieces and like we always forget the human aspect of having to actually just move. And then you, you've got why are they moving and you know, are they informed? Do they pass the trial? Do they get comfortable with the new club? Is the language barrier an issue? Where you know, where are they coming from? What's what's the plan? Does the does the club have the budget for this player? Like if this club needs players because everyone is out injured, they don't necessarily have the budget for an extra player. So then you start having players coming back from injury and it feels like you've got a new squad. Or it's, yeah, it's like there's a lot, and it's not just why aren't you signing anyone? Why? Why? Like, <laughs> the, the, there is an element of keeping up with the Joneses yeah. when it, it, when I look at the transfer window, particularly in the men's, when there is this this clamour for for transfer news, and you know, I, I've been able to take a step back from it, and I just I just don't understand what you will do differently if your team does not bring a player in. It won't change anything. If you are a die-hard fan, if you are diligent in your approach to what you do at the weekend, where everything that, in terms of your life, you know, circles around the game, your shopping, your washing, that if they don't bring a player in, that you're not going to go and get up at four o'clock in the morning to make your way to a game, whether you're travelling from the south to the north or the north to the south, you're going to do it. You're just going to do it. You know, and, and I think you're right. You know, the human element is one that we we forget about so so frequently, particularly in the women's game. And, you know, considering everything that happened at Christmas with Coventry, etc., and the financial implications that that could have had for the league, the players, etc., that we, we, we fail to understand 
that the money that we we talk about so freely has to come from somewhere and if a, the, the owners don't have it and the sponsors don't have it or unwilling to to distribute it because of what they see on the pitch then you know who are we to complain and i mentioned this last time in the pod and i was just having my little you know rant on my own and i said we there's an expectation level that we as fans have uh, i think it's not realistic in the women's game we want everything now we want it microwave ready not to use that man in number 10s you know hmm. but you know what i mean and I, I i i actually want and i tweeted this the other day and i thought when was the last time that we went to a game and your team lost and you just walked out saying I re- that was a good game you didn't moan about the players you didn't say the manager was no good you didn't say that we need to buy new players and they're they're you know being ready trailer you didn't slag anyone off you just went that was a really good game our team played good football but we they got beat by a better team i mean we we do come from a nation of moaners no you should really yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, any any loss and it's it's manager hour isn't it um yeah i i yeah i i mean i think i do see online sometimes you know um like and I like Sunderland diehards and stuff, um, you know who who like it hasn't been the best start to this, but they still like you know like look the lasses gave it everything, it's a learning curve like they're you know proud of them today good game so I think there are there are fans in the games especially on the women's side who Measured. have yeah and you know can kind of look at the big picture and still find positives as you know as well as negatives whereas I think the bigger your club is. Especially if you know your your grounding is say in men's football, so if you're a United fan and Arsenal fan, it's just it's, it's a lot easier to to go very negative and 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 sometimes you it warrant the performance warrants that and you think oh my what everything was wrong and but you can do it in a constructive way but mm. the oh uh, worst team ever I hate them oh god the manager needs to I don't know what he was thinking with the selection. Formation was this. That's all dreadful, horrible. Boom. It's like, I, I, why? <laughs> do you know what? I'm, I can see Reese. Thank you for your comment. Uh, um, all power to you, my friend. Uh, he says, support the players your club have. Trust the manager. Um, if you're if you're in the correct league position and believe in your club's long term plan, um, I think that's quite right. You know, and, and I, I'm going to add to that. Sophie, in terms of what what you said about the kind of the grumblings that we hear, and and I've I've heard them in in real time. You know, I'm going to get rid of my season ticket. I mean, everything's digital now. Yeah. No one's sending anything out in the post, unless you're, you're unless you are ordering it from Amazon. No, they're not sending you anything. So if you have one of those, I'm going to get rid of my. What are you going to do? Delete an app? What are you going to do? Block them on social media. Turn off your TikTok notifications. What What are you going to do? You're still You're still going to go to the games. You still it's like you know when you see like a fan <clears throat> of a club, uh, more more on the men's side, and they they're wearing the kit or they've got oh. like the shirt, and oh. they and they'll like cross out the badge or whatever, or like a player leaves and they like X out the name on the back, and you're like, what are you doing? sorry, I'm sorry. I, I look. It, it was just something that was in my mind. 
you know, I just wanted to say that. And I thought, you know, what, what, what better way to start our yeah. little conversation? You know, and I think what Reese says, right, sometimes, especially in the women's game, we are too quick, one, to expect players to come in. We are too quick to talk about players not being good enough. Considering the bulk of the players that are playing are actually part-time, they have daytime jobs, real real-time jobs to contend with before they even get to the training and before they even contend with any opposition on a Saturday or sorry, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday fixture. Um, so there's the, the realities of it in in, in from what we have seen, but it's so easily ignored. It's so easily, you know, just put in a box and everyone just expects the same. And, and this is what I find really troubling sometimes is how easy the language from the men's game is transferred to the women's game, particularly around the transfers, particularly around the expectations, particularly, I mean, I just want to watch the football and I will praise it, credit it, merit it on, on the 90 minutes or 90 minutes plus that I see on the day. And then I'll go home because I think at the end of the day, when you look at the players and, I, and I'm, I've come to this primarily since the whole Coventry thing is that you don't know what it takes for them to get onto the pitch. So if you're paying your money, if you're making the effort, if you're, if you're, if you're going that far to actually follow the team, then if at the very least, if you can enjoy the 90 minutes, that would be great. But if it's part of the makeup of the game that you have to say, the players aren't good enough or you're not able to critique it in a way where you say that player did well or they were unable to make, you know, then it's, you know, I, I take it, that's what you have to do. But, you know, on this platform, I try and do something slightly different. Yeah. I, I find what, what Reese said interesting because obviously at the start of the season, um, if you look at like Reading's start to the season, mm-hmm. it was not a good start. Um, and... You know, Reading have been ill up and down. They overperform, overperform, underperform. And very, very quickly, there were sort of calls of, you know, is is Kelly Chambers, is, is her time with Reading over? Is it, you know, and that I even let myself sort of think about that because they looked very, very stale at the start of the season, thinking she's been there for a while. Maybe it's time for a change. But look, Tash Dowie came in. They started finding the goals. Everything started to click. All the individual things that weren't quite working started to click. And very quick, that's like, oh, maybe Kelly Chambers, manager of the month. Um, so, yeah, and it, then you, know, you look at, like, Sam Kerr when she came over, when she was knackered and she had to get mm. used to the league and the weather or what, everything, you know. And yeah, that, The weather, those, definitely those, the weather. Always a weather. I mean, she she used to play in Chicago and, and used to play on the okay, East Coast. So she she's used to cold as well. But um, you know, it, she just couldn't find much rhythm at first, and mm. there was a lot of well, she just you know overrated whatever. And then you know, then she struck up that partnership with Kirby. They were ridiculously good together last season, and mm. then she's starting to do more and more, and she's getting back and helping out in defence. And and there's just a lot more to her game coming in. You know, and, and I think people are very quick to to say she's rubbish or we need to do yeah. Whereas sometimes it is just be patient, just trust the pro it takes time for this stuff to, to work. And hey, if you give it a reasonable amount of time, if you give it twelve months and everything is still then 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 you can start to say something 
maybe it's time for a shift of personnel. But yeah, we're we're too, we're too quick in, yeah. But we are we are more than too quick. We have the the, the thesaurus and dictionary ready for whatever we need to say is in, in a negative point of view, and I, I, I'm I'm glad that I can kind of question it. Because it's, it's very easy to be pulled into that kind of conversation with anyone. It's very easy to go and, oh, yeah, they were the, and, you know, just to walk away and think, you know, that was a really good game or the team didn't play as well as they probably could have, but they ground out a win or, you know, you, you do whatever you need to do. But, you know, from the transfer window, and we will talk a little bit about the transfer window for those teams that like it. Um, but in terms of the expectation of 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 clubs to go and, and and actually get players um it's really it, it's really something it, you know and 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 I, I i for me i sometimes don't understand how that matches up in terms of the jigsaw of the women's game when we don't we know that both team both leagues don't have enough teams we know that there are a bulk of players that don't get enough game time but we still want <laughs> We still expect more, you know. There are players that you don't even see in a season. They might get two games. Do you need to go and buy someone? How about rotation? Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Hmm. Um. Right. I had so many things to say. We're, I'm going to talk about a game that I went to at the weekend. I did go to see London City Lionesses play the Lasses. So that's, I've got a little bit on that. I'm going to, um, did get to catch up with um, uh, one of the goal scorer, scorers, Primus, at the end of the game. Very, uh, very confident young woman, very confident, like her. Uh, and the manager, listen to to them talk about their their kind of push on in the league. But the question I've got for you, and I'm glad you're here, and I did see your, your little, <laughs> your little post restaurant video, Sophie. So I'm going to, I'm going to start with this. Uh, Steph Lab One at Steph Lab One tweets was not impressed with the Fee Pro World Eleven, Women's World Eleven. Now at Steph Lab One, Canada's goalie for the Olympics obviously could not be impressed because I think everyone else was not being impressed. And you know I saw the selection of players, and the first thing I thought of, and you kind of mentioned it in one of your tweets. And then what year did they vote for this 11? Yeah. <laughs> this is a quantum leap kind of like selection. This is a Scott Beluka special, Christmas special. Oh boy. Um, yeah, no, it was. Um, so, what we are used to seeing in women's football is uh, any year of a major tournament, the Euros, World Cup, Olympics there is quite a heavy skew towards players who were at those tournaments and who did well. Um, and there is an interesting correlation with Spain not being at the Olympics and not one Barcelona player or Spanish player um, being in, 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 in the 11. Wow. Um, How? Although, you know, at the same Seriously. token, Bev Priestman and, um, and, and, and Yahasen, in terms of the, the, the FIFA best, Hey. Uh, it's, uh, hey. it's just, none of it makes sense, does it? Hey. <laughs> it's none of it. I'm glad you said none of it makes sense. Uh, 
None of it, like, none of it makes sense. Is that, is that your like come crashing down on you? Is it coming? Yeah, yeah. It, you're just gonna have to deal with it. Um, yeah, don't worry. I, one of the things, so oh, this is I think maybe 2019 before the World yeah. Cup. Yeah, um, there was an interview with Steph Horton, there was something with Steph Horton, and she, or maybe it's 2020, I at some point in the last seven decades, um. Uh, it was interview with Steph Horton, and she mentioned that you know if she's at home or whatever, she she doesn't tend to watch women's football. You know she'll she'll watch any men's football that's on, but she doesn't. And when that interview came out, there was a lot of hate for her. There was, she was sort of universally panned, being like, "You can't be the England captain and say you don't watch women's football." Now there's one a lot of women play um, at the same time, so the games are on while she's playing. Uh, the coverage, especially at that point, wasn't that big, wasn't that universal, like where she's supposed to watch these games. You know, um, she had a lot on her plate in her private life as well. I'm sure she didn't want to be, you know, but there was this instant, oh, why don't you? Know? But we know that a lot of female players don't watch the game. You know, there's only so much you can. So some in particular do try and seek out, you know, for, for their own sort of analysis and stuff and, and to know what's going on. But what we usually have is, say, the big tournaments where you get all the coverage. That's where play, That's where people watch the players and coaches who aren't involved. Um, you know, and... Oh, I just said a thought and it went, oof. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but it's also... What, what you might have from players is, oh, um, who's on the list? You know who I played against four years ago who was so tough, who must be at that level all the time? I'm going to, yeah, she must be that good. Right, I'm going to put her in. Um, so, and that's, like, I've seen that happen, like, in terms of players <clears throat> who maybe had, like, a fantastic World Cup, maybe not the rest of the season, but they had a great World Cup. They got into the, the 11 or they were in contention sort of the best player of the year. And then even though they did nothing the next year, that that reputation of that tournament was still there with them the following year. And you're like, they haven't done, they've actually been injured but you don't know that because you play in a different league you know and you haven't played them internationally so you wouldn't know that they're injured and they've done nothing but like they're very you know the fact you've got them here shows that you do not watch the game you don't know what's going on elsewhere but it's you know so you look at some of the FIFA, the men's FIFA pro and look men can watch men's football anyone can watch men's football at any time it's always there's always a match on, you know. There's always a high level. You can always catch up with Champions League or, or big games and stuff, so you know, kind of what, what what's going on there. We don't have that in women's football, and you know, female footballers generally have, if they're not playing themselves, they might have a job full time, or they might have this that. Yeah, like when are they supposed to keep up and know what's like the, you know, the the inner workings of all this stuff? So. I like the idea of, of having a FIFA Pro 11 for for, for, for for women and it being voted for by female players, but they don't watch the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, someone didn't watch the game with that that list of... Um... 3,000 didn't watch the game. I just think to myself, seriously, I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the, the names on the list, you think, oh, the, the calibre is great. But in terms of the last 12 months, I was thinking there are some names missing from that list. There's when was this vote taken and, and it didn't it didn't make any sense at all uh for some of the names that we saw on there and i just thought okay um i'll keep quiet on the social media thing and just see how this pans out but there was plenty of um anger 
to say the very least, in terms of the selection of players and the voting and, the, the you know, journalists like yourself and others were like saying this doesn't do the game just desserts in terms of the profile that he's trying to create. There are other football players out there that are, of, you know, of worth mm. that have actually made a decent mark on the game within the last 12 months. Apart from, I mean, Marta's name was still there. I mean, come on. Even I'm going, really, come on, man. Seriously, I know she's great, but come on. Yeah, and I saw um, a tweet this morning from Patricia Gonzalez, who is a, a FIFA technical director, about it. And I'm just going to hit the, I'm going to yeah. auto translate it. Yeah, go um, ahead. <laughs> because she, she put it out in Spanish. And, nice. and I'm just, I'm going to leave it to Google on this one. Uh, it's, uh, Remember that the World 11 is voted for by the players themselves. This time, there were 3,675 professional players. This year's result prompts reflection. The lack of visibility and exposure of club competitions is a very serious issue. So yeah, that's well. It, it's you know from from someone who's in a very senior level, it talks about the game from an international perspective, saying there is a disparity between what's happening at club level, and for and for the individuals who do go to club games that don't always get to go to an international tournament, they're thinking, well, why isn't this player included? We see this player week in, week out. We know what they do season in, season out. They've not been included. So who are the 3,000? Is it just the international players that were voting? I take it. Those who are in international caps, did you have to have a certain number of caps to be allocated a vote? I mean, what was yeah, the criteria I, I, for this? I honestly cannot remember if I'm being... No, I'm not saying... I mean, just generally off the top of my head, I mean, people talking yeah, about... I, I feel to... like I should know it, but yeah, like... No, you, well, I, we, I think we should all know it. <laughs> Sense of hate mail. Um, yeah, no, but even just the breakdown for like sort of the FIFA best, because that's done by, you know, captain and coach and, and a media member. But um, some interesting ones there. Let's let's put it that way. I, the, the, the thing that kind of gets me is there's, you can see this heavy Olympic skew and this heavy, like, you know, like, mm. I'm thinking players like, you've got Christine, you've got Sink in there. But where's mm. Ashley Lawrence? No Ashley Lawrence, Lawrence had no a fantastic Lawrence. Olympics. She's had a fantastic year. She won the French title. She is integral in every team she plays for. She's incredibly versatile. No how, you know, how are you not? It's a shame. No, I mean, I'm even like Stephanie Love. I'm like thinking, why is she not included? Because Enlo got it. Yeah, but come on. Yeah, I think it, it was a tough one between Labe and, and Enla um, with sort of the, the what, what people saw. But I mean, I'm not going to get into that. But yeah, I, I think when <laughs> you look that at, was a political minefield that you dodged, right? <laughs> I put it back, I put it back. It's, it's kind of like when you look at the FIFA best coach, um, you know, and it, it was what? Hayes, Cortez, Wiegmann. Priestman and then yeah Hudson and like the numbers are just like how you know how how are the two coaches who got to the Olympic final who had to navigate so much and I know that's only the Olympics and that's that skew how are they the last two how you know Yarson ended up like five votes what mm. he did with that Sweden team how mm. they took apart teams that should have been beating them mm -hmm. I mean, just where's the love and and the way that Priestman you know took a really underperforming Canada team, brought them together. That was all her management to mm -hmm. get them, to give them confidence, to get them on the right page. 
and to get them through the tournament and to make the subs at the right time. Like, how how are you? And, you know, Cortez with what he did with Barcelona and, and you know, taking them to the chat and getting them playing this most ridiculous football where they won almost every game, almost everything available to them. You know, that's that's having the right players, but that's getting them to play in a certain way. And yet... Yeah, we 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 dust ourselves down with and and all we can do. And, and you know what? With that said, look, you know Emma Hayes, best FIFA Women's Coach, big award. Um, congratulations. You know that's what you can say. You know, uh, from the the comments that I read on Twitter, she was shocked um, that she and you know they even got the award. So there you go. But she, she has it. You know, you have to say well done, but you have to look at the other names that you've mentioned, considering the 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 path they had to navigate, especially Priestman. You just kind of shake, you know, shake your head and think, okay, what do they have to do? Go to the moon to get something before they get recognised? Or what was, what was Vigman doing there? Third? I don't know. I don't know. What did the Dutch took the, do? Took the England job. I don't know. The yeah, line, sorry, the Lionesses job. That must have been a challenge in itself. I jest. Don't, no hate mail. No hate mail. Um, right, I'm gonna we're gonna jump away from that a little bit. Yeah, you know, we talked about yeah, I, <laughs> uh, talked about what's the purpose of transfers, and you know I, that in the transfer window. Uh, congratulations to Coventry, they signed someone. Can you believe it? They're on the verge of going out, and they signed someone on loan from Aston Villa it's right until the end of the season. You know, and I, I just thought to myself. Great bit of news for them. Great news for Natalie, who, who's travelling from Aston Villa to, to Coventry to get game time. But it does go to prove the point I was making about players being part of a squad that are not getting game time, that are prepared to go down the league. And then you've got fans going, we want you to buy players. But then you have a player who's going down the league to get game time. It just says everything. The transfer window in itself is nothing more than an unnecessary diversion where people will make money off of social media clicks. But that's just me. It's just my humble opinion. Nothing more than that. I mean, so if you're, and let's, let's step away from some Villa and let's just say you're, you're Arsenal. Yeah. Arsenal have a terrible habit of doing this. So you sign established players and you sign yeah. players who already, you know, but you've got players coming through your academy and you've got a Ruby Mace or an Ava uh, Kaiken or even a, back in the day, like a Wuben Moy. And you put them on the bench because you know that, you know, maybe don't want to give them 90 minutes against Chelsea. They're only, you know, yeah. 12. Um, and and then like you bring them on in stoppage time and they get 45 seconds. Mm. Like, and it's, nice the them, moments. Yeah, of like, it's nice for them to be in the match day squad, to be around the, the, the first team that they mm. are technically what first team is. Mm. And then they get that experience of that, but they're not on the pitch. Yeah. But you don't want to lose them because these are players with development potential. But you also are not putting in the effort to try and develop them yourself and see if you can integrate them into your team. So you send them out on loan. And I mean, Chelsea used to do this a fair amount as well. Um, like Jody Brett, uh, Midi Farrow. Uh, Rosianne, I think they were all they all kind of bounced around on loan around like Bristol and Millwall and you know and you're thinking 
are you actually going to bring these players into? You're not, you're not, are you? You're just going to keep learning them out, decide that they're not up to the level you want and you're going to bounce them. And that's what happened. And that's what we've seen with Arsenal. I mean, the amount of players Arsenal have lost uh, who have been really, really good prospects and they've like gone to Spurs or they've gone down to the second tier, um, like Paige, uh, Bailey Gale and yeah, loads of players have, have, have left and Ruby Mace. Mm-hmm. And then Mace who couldn't play anyway. But <laughs> there, there, is, there is an importance in, in the loan system. Mm. And it's just, I think, it's about the clubs trying to find that balance so they can develop players themselves. Because at the moment, they're leaving it to other clubs to de- help develop their players. And I don't know, it, if it, it's not like player hoarding and stacking like you see other places where, I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're young players, they have to be involved. But I just, it, yeah, I, I feel like we are kind of letting some of those players down at, at, at the bigger clubs. And I know it's tough to break into those teams, but, you know, but, the amount of times I saw, like, back in 2016 or something, like, Ruben Moy gets subbed on in stoppage time. And what, what's, what's the point, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I, I, you know, I think what you're, you're saying is quite right. It's something that happens all the time. Um, I don't get it, but in terms of Coventry, being able to bring someone in on loan, it's great, you know, till the end of the season. Hopefully, uh, Natalie can go there and help them uh, get three points. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the game that I went to see at the weekend, and it was London City Linus. It's part of my FAWC remit, uh, as you do. Um, you know, I actually had tipped this game. I always thought it was going to be like the battle of 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 the centre backs because I just thought it was a bit one of those really physical games um, that 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 happens. That, at that level, but it wasn't. It was a very. It was kind of cute, but also it didn't have the same level of spark that I thought it would have. So on paper, very tough. The scoreline, you know, at the end, um, LCL three Sunderland with a ninety-plus minute penalty. Um, it looks pretty kind of one-sided, and you know, I would say in the game that Sunderland had their moments, but they didn't. It wasn't their best performance that I've seen. You know, they had a number of players missing. I think they'd, I think literally four days before a player had moved on. I think it was their, one of their centre backs had gone to, um, I'm not sure where, Potts had moved on. Um, so it was, it, as a footballing game to watch, it was a bit of a nutritious game. Um, LCL were very quick to get off the score sheet within the first five minutes. They did move the ball well in periods. I mean, the one two touch play was, was fantastic. Um, but from a Sunderland point of view, and I did listen to their their pod on on Twitter Spaces the other day that they they were missing players, and you could see that they were missing players, and there was a gap between the forward players and the midfield and the defence, which which allowed London City Lionesses to actually build up momentum in mid, midfield and move the ball around um, really really well. Um, Fleming. In midfield, I think it's Fleming. I think it's Fleming. I hope I've got that right. The Fleming, I have to go and check that surname. Rogers, who scored one of the goals, great ball from Murphy um, or uh, Palash, as the name was on the back of the shirt. Now um, diagonal ball over, great control, composure to score, really, really good. Uh, Primus um, dropping like kind of a false nine, linking up play. Um, really good. Napier on the left had the run of the right back uh, at every point all the space in front of her, 
very direct, very tricky. And there were a couple of great crosses that she put across that just seemed to bypass everyone. If the slightest touch, it would have gone in. So, um, you know, from from that point of view, London London City Lioness is, you know, good for the good for the win, good for the result going forward. They play Coventry next, which is going to be difficult. You know, they're in second place. They've got good momentum. Um, and, you know, when I spoke to um, Atlanta Primus at the end of the game, she was very even-handed in her comments about the team's performance. There's no sign of being overconfident. There's, she had a sense of calm. She was measured. And, 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 and that is what you see from the team on the pitch. You hear them. They're very vocal on the pitch, talking throughout the game all the time. Um, and they are... Even though they're in second place, they're they they're, they're not in themselves kind of like oh we're in second place. They know they're taking it one game at a time, and and I think for me, them and Crystal Palace and all of the other teams, they make the league so interesting because on any given day, unless you don't turn up mentally, physically, and in terms of your ball possession, you'll get taken out. And and I think I thought Sunderland would make it a much closer game, but they didn't have the personnel to hand. Um, so yeah. It'd be really, really good. Shout out to Primus. Shout out to Haley Nolan. Respect. Shout out to Mel, boss. Um, <laughs> you know, it's all good. All good. All good. I, I know that you've got. You're so busy with international stuff, Sophie. You've no idea what's going on in the championship. You're dealing with like America and Japan. Totally. You know, and I haven't even started to even touch onto that. I have no idea. Uh, did you catch any of the WSL games? Because there were a few that took place. And like Man the Manchester clubs won. That's all I can say. Manchester United brought Birmingham back down to earth with a, a five goals thriller. And uh, Manchester City getting their groove, getting their players back, getting those points on the board. They believe they can get the the, the Champions League spot. That's what they believe. Who knows? Yeah, it was. It was. Um... Manchester team is laying into Birmingham teams. Yeah. And I, I, I caught um, oh, like three of the four matches. I can't remember which one I missed. Um, but, yeah, I, I know about the championship. I know about Stengel's late winner for Liverpool. Hey. Oxford, I know about that. Come on. I mean, that would have made stuff very interesting yeah. if they didn't if they didn't have that one. But, so. yeah. No, um, yeah, I caught the, the the two games on uh, on Saturday, and then I caught the Spurs game on Sunday. Uh, speaking of, of late goals, oh, listen, have some of that. <laughs> some of that. <laughs> I, you know, like, Longhurst um, off the pitch is, is hilarious. I think I, any like, especially people who know her from like a Liverpool days. She she's she's just kind of got a bit of an out there sense of humour as well, but she is has been a West Ham fan, I think, since she was in the womb. Mm. Like there is the fact that she gets to play for the club that she loves so much, I think, is, you know, you look at kind of the the career she's had in the past she's been on and then just sort of her ability to play anywhere that, you know, it's to have those moments in games but for players who just love the badge so, so much, then, yeah, I think it means even more to the fans and, and obviously to herself. But, yeah, it's a great, great header, great ball in. Um, yeah. Dreadful yeah. from Spurs to poor marking from Spurs, to, poor yeah, marking to, to, to drop so late. But uh, yeah, Spurs had chances to score more goals, and that, that's still their problem is they do not score enough goals. And and you know what? It's very easy for me to say so Spursy, and we haven't had to say that for a while with with this team. And it, we haven't, we haven't. I've been 
don't, hey, don't, bring, hey, don't be bringing that word in from the men I know, I know, I know. It's terrible. Forgive me, listener. Forgive me. Um, no, they had their chances. They didn't take them. And against 10 men, you know, I, I, I would say West Ham's equaliser made the game more interesting just by the result because of the way it ended. And, you know, you talk about composure in front of goal, you know, being able to be aware, to see the camera and to go up there and have some of that. That's just so good. I mean, that those moments make the game. Those moments make a soundbite that media companies can just go, oh, right, that's brilliant. Because, you know, next season, that's going to be in some kind of montage. Oh, yeah. It's coming up. It's going to be there. And I just think it will make uh, the next fixture between um, West Ham and Spurs more interesting. People will be really interested to watch it. I have to be honest, the fact that it was on Sky and, and, and the way it ended was a great package for a Sunday. You know, it was in terms of for viewers. Um, for, the, for the other um, WSL fixtures, it was more of a, you know, procession, you know. You expect, and this is the thing, you kind of watch the teams. Oh, yeah, Manchester United won great. Manchester City won great. Uh, Leicester, you know, they must have really looked at what happened last week with Birmingham and thought, we cannot allow them to pick up any momentum at all. So the 1-0 win for them is just fantastic. And, you know, Birmingham taking such a heavy, heavy, heavy defeat in terms of goals conceded will make them feel super delighted. Um, it makes it all interesting at that part of the, at that part of the league. I mean, like Leicester... I think we were saying it when they still had uh, Morgan as, as as the coach. They weren't playing badly. They just they weren't getting into games as well as they should have. They were a little unlucky in terms of when they were conceding or when they weren't scoring. But you know, it seems that they've they've turned the tide with the new manager. There's a lot of really good feeling around the players. They know that they can compete. That they can go out and they can pick up points. And that's you know that's, that's what they showed. And they they from what I've seen of that game. Um, like loads of composure as well, like just mm. a very professional performance from from a team that you know looked uh, not 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 so assured at points. But yeah. yeah, I mean it 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 does make it interesting going forward for for them. And I know that uh, I'm not sure you can remind me when when does the Champions League return? Is it is it next month? Is it are we do we have a few it's weeks March. away? March, so we've got some time. So, you know, Leicester don't even have that uh, uh, to help them in terms of their, their opponents being distracted with European competition, like the, the, the likes of Chelsea and etc., where people are moving around. I don't know in terms of Conti Cup. I've, I've given up trying to follow it because it's never promoted properly. So, you know, I, I wait for things to, sit, to, to arrive on Twitter and go, oh, right, there's a game. Uh, tomorrow. Conti okay, Cup. see, there you go. The, yeah. You knew. Quantum Cup, oh, is it the quarters tomorrow? Is it? Okay, is it? Is it I feel like it is. It's, has it been promoted? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Spurs are at home to someone, that's all I know. Spurs are at home to Liverpool. Spurs are at home uh, to, I mean, but has it been promoted? Do we know? Is it, I, I, no? It's not massively. I think there is yeah. at least one game on the FA player, though. Okay, well, that's fine. You know, that's and, good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Chelsea aren't in the Champions League anymore, so that's not quite the distraction. Yeah. But, uh, so it's just Arsenal who are... Well, they can still go to the fixtures, just in case, you know. Yeah, if, if they want. <laughs> just turn, their, turn up with their boots and go... No, 
looking for a game. Yeah, like no when when Arsenal are at home to Wolfsburg, I'm sure Chelsea players are going to rock up to, for that one. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Listen, in the green, you know. Into, um, and, uh, yeah, you're right. And it, actually, I was sitting. I was looking my most dishevelled self when I went to watch London City Lionesses. I had a mask on, I had my woolly hat on, and it looked. I probably looked like Noddy, um, just sitting in the in on the far side. Uh, looking into the hazy sunshine, trying to glimpse at the players on the pitch. And I saw these two people walking past me and I kind of looked up and I had to do a double take. And and I'm sure it was Beth Mead and Jordan Nobbs. I'm sure it was. Yeah. And I kind of did, and I looked and I I kind of said hello, like a nod. And I just got back to the game and I just thought, you know, they're probably thinking, who's this madman with a strange looking... What's Noddy doing Noddy, yeah. yeah no, Noddy's out and about. Um, so players yeah, always pop up at games. It's you know if they're not playing, like it's so often like it's it's your friends, your your former teammates. Yeah, you know, you've got the time up, but why not? Um, go and take yeah. in a game. Uh, I was a, I, so this was ooh, January the January the eighth or January the ninth, two thousand sixteen. Oh yeah. Um. I went off uh, FA Cup ooh, third or fourth round very early. Uh, Charn Athletic versus Plymouth Argyle. So this really goes back. Um, and because it was Plymouth Argyle, I was actually sat near Gemma Rose, who at the time was was at Arsenal. But because she's from Plymouth and she knew some of it, so that was how she spent her um her very cold Sunday. Was, was yeah. watching Plymouth yeah. get get absolutely done over by Charlton. Um, well, it, well, it does happen. Well, yeah, there you go. You know, and I missed my chance. I, I, I could have said, you know, do you have a word for the podcast? But I didn't. I was too busy. Yeah, um, yeah I just want to rattle through the the FAWC results, which were quite important. Um, Liverpool win against Watford, um, 1-0. Uh, Blackburn Rovers lose to Bristol City, 1-0. Um, tight game. Sheffield United, who have had a difficult time of late in terms of results, they win 3-1 against Coventry. Good to see Coventry back on the pitch playing. Uh, they won't be happy with the result, but they now have a new um, centre-back. Uh, a tough game. Uh, Charlton winning 1-0 against Lewis. And Lewis, from what I saw, were all over the place. I don't know what was happening with them in terms of their, their back line. They, you know, the goalkeeper made a mistake passing it out. Then it looked like it went to um, one of the centre-backs. I think it was Rianne Cleverly, which it, uh, unusual for her not to be so composed if it was her. And then Charlton score, and Charlton looked good for the win. I don't think Lewis were at the best, but I think that's this is just post, post-Christmas. Um, already mentioned London City Lionesses um, win 3-1 against um, Sunderland. But the shock for me was Crystal Palace. And I can say shock because, you know... Teams that go to Durham, you think, not sure what's going to happen. To win 3-2 away, you know, is absolutely a phenomenal uh, for Crystal Palace, who had travelled all the way up uh, north last week and had their game literally postponed, cancelled like an hour before because of the pitch, um, that they actually then go back up north and and then get a win. It's it's absolutely amazing for them. And I think they're third in the league. Um, London City Lionesses are... Second, so it does look interesting at that point. Uh, shout out to um, Liz Waldy on the goals. 
Shout out to Bianca Baptiste. I've got to do shout outs now. So if you've got a shout out, shout out to the, the London. It's a London team. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Palace are, um, they're really great. I mean, the first season they were in the second tier, not not their best, but they've really started to grow. And then when they could bring in Bianca Baptiste, who just... I, She's phenomenal. I mean, just goals on goals on goals on goals on goals. Um, Baptiste, like, just ridiculously good. But it's it's all kind of... It just comes together really well for, 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 for Palace. And they've made some interesting kind of moves in terms of personnel over the last couple of years. But it, it it's a good marriage they've got on the pitch. And, you know, scoring three goals away to Durham is not easy. No. Um, you, you know, I, I think one of the Durham goals was a penalty, possibly. I might be making that up. I, I, there are a lot of penalties. I, I could just be getting confused. Yeah. There are a lot of penalties. <laughs> um, but yeah, like some like late goals from Durham as well. It wasn't as if it was, you know, um, a, a snatch and grab. I don't think uh, like yeah. like Chef United. I think it was nil nil, sort of 70, 75 minutes in, it's and then just a flurry. Yeah, it's quite mm-hmm. late. A um, couple of goals from uh, um, Courtney Sweetman Kirk, eighty one and eighty eight minutes. So Courtney will be happy with that. Balancing up her media duties, uh, which actually I do like listening to Courtney when she's talking the game. She does talk the game very well. And I always kind of listen to her and think, you'll be playing tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? It's just a bit of me thinking, you're you're on radio, you're playing tomorrow. What's your prep like? Um, But it's got to be good, you know, to do the co-coms for Sky or TalkSport and then pop off to play football the next day and, and, and score two goals for your team. It, it, it says a lot about her uh, approach to the game. Um, and I did actually talk about the approach to the game, which in terms of jobs, I'm sure I heard on uh, on one of the Sunderland fan base Twitter spaces that one of their players who was really good as and they're a part-time team has got a full-time job now as a firefighter. And I thought, ooh, these are the things we don't take take on board really we kind of think how do you balance that shift work around playing for a team who then has an expectation that you're going to be available on Sunday or the strange Conti Cup games which you know take place without much promotion mm-hmm. so many firefighters around on football it's really interesting um well, it, yeah, why not? <laughs> it's, it's weird um what what it what what it is for for a lot of players, and this is kind of goes back years and years and years, is they've got to have a sympathetic boss mm. who says, okay, I I won't roster you in on yada yada yada, you know. And it's the same like when when England everyone was part time, um, even going back, you know, say a generation, not even that back, not not even all the way back to like sort of the 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 eighties or whatever. But um, it was oh by the way, boss. We're just going to Estonia for a qualifier. Is that? Do I, can you give me the time off? You won't. You know? So yeah, you see, you've got to have a nice boss who is, is understanding for that stuff. And players sometimes don't, and and that's why they don't pop up at points in in matches. And yeah. well, look, look, you know, in life generally, I mean, some of the jobs that I've had, there have been bosses that are just not even so much unreasonable, they've been adult Hitler-like. So to to be able to have a job in football, full-time job, should I say elsewhere, and then still play and have a sympathetic boss that understands 
probably what you're going through, but also the the the, the limitations that you have as a footballer the, that the club have, um, that, that it's in their best interest to actually be flexible with you as an employer so that you give them the best version of you when you do turn up instead of there being some emotional turmoil with regards to he didn't like the fact that I had to do work. He's giving me grief. What am I going you know, what am I going to do? Because there are some players, I'm thinking even one of the, I'm sure it was at London Bees, one of the players was um, either working in the hospital specifically during COVID. And, and then I just thought to myself, and then playing, and I'm just thinking to myself, the balance that they needed to take emotionally you needed to have someone be be able to kind of like comprehend what your your day-to-day world was like and that football for you was not just about work it was a to be normal it was a, a release from what you had to contend with so yeah not surprised not surprised indeed i'm conscious of time sophie and we so we've talked at length about transfer stuff but i must mention this actually before before it is too late and the things that kind of um i've made a note of it now i'm trying to find out um in terms of transfers we started with transfers and the whole transfer window so it's funny that we could be ending with this uh, sheffield united actually on saturday announced that they were signing a new play, uh, player um and uh from george georgia walters from liverpool and it was on saturday night at seven you know i'm not sure if uh the wheel or the wall was on, but it was a good time to send out that kind of tweet to trick people to like, huh? Oh, what? Um, a, a sign in on a Saturday. Um, uh, and I believe it's on a permanent deal as well. So, you know, Sheffield looking to add another dimension to their attack. They've had a couple of difficult games, as I've said. And it's strange that, you know, table topping Liverpool, uh, who are, it seems, cruise control, can let players go. In this window, um, you, you know? know, it's if they're playing, if there's sort of a longer term look at, you know, if 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 this is a player who isn't in your plans and isn't crucial towards your push for promotion, and you, you're thinking, if we do get promoted, we're probably going to let her go anyway. She might not be. We I, we don't think we can take her back to WSL with us. Then you know, you've got so Matt Beard. Um, is is an interesting manager, but he's he's really and I sort of I've said this before as well. I think he'd make a great agent because <laughs> yeah. not just like he used to be a realtor as well, so he's got like yeah. some great power. But yeah. he cares so much about the players and having yeah. them in the right environment and everything being off everything off the pitch for them working out as well. So it you know so you get a better player on the pitch. Mm. And I think he's he's a manager who will, will look at a player say look we we're not playing you or this that the other i want to do right by you do you want to do you want to go now what you know, how can how can i help you so i look at matt bit and i think he's that type of manager he's that type of guy really so like that person who's just going to try and help and say look i'm going to find the right club for you i want you to be happy you know and whether that's a player he's trying to bring in or a departing player that's kind of more who who he is so it's not not a massive surprise to to see that type of thing yeah, I mean it. it I mean it, it. It's what you say makes sense, but I just thought, considering Liverpool are so close to returning to the WSL, that they'd want to keep all hands on deck just in case, because it, we're still, you know, you just never know 
but maybe they have a, a a good pool of players that they can that can uh, use or revert to should should anything happen. Um, I mean, they're, they're scoring goals. They, they're quite oh, consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And oh. they just brought in Stengel as well, so that's you know you're, you're bringing yeah. a lot of experience. Yeah, and and they're scoring, and not only they're scoring goals. I mean, the, the the goal scorer, um, the goal scorer of, of late, um, Keenan, is has been scoring some fantastic goals. But there's a there's a there's a, a sense about the team that you can see from their performance that they again again taking it. They're not overconfident. They're just confident about what they need to do on the day and they're taking it one game at a time, which makes that whole top of the table clash. I mean, every team right down to sixth place. I mean, Liverpool have got 29 points, Charlton have got 20. I mean, it can change so quickly. It can change so quickly. London City, 22, Crystal Palace, 21. Um, so I'm looking forward to the, the, when those teams play one another again, how the points are distributed, if they are, or do they all go in one direction? Do they all go to Liverpool? But it's... So exciting! It would it would be a really fun season to have two teams promoted, oh. um, because the the scrap for second like Liverpool to run away with it like the scrap for second would be oh. would be amazing. You know what they really should do? Oh, no, I shouldn't do. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't say that because that just caused. I mean, you're right. To, to, two teams promoted. I mean, I would like three teams to be promoted. I'm, I'm just shut the whole division up. Well, you know, in for a penny, uh, as they say. Um, another bit of news that I, I this must be because of the whole Coventry thing, right? It, it just wiped my mind of everything else. News elsewhere, Watford women news, right? It seems that this news did pass me by, right? And, and I have to, it has to be the whole thing with Coventry. They parted way with their manager, Clint Lancaster, mm -hmm. and they did it on New Year's Eve on the club website. On the 31st, and I'm like thinking, whoa, didn't even see it. Yeah. You know, so he left after being with them for some time. He was appointed full-time, I think, or given kind of the role more or less primarily in the summer, and it didn't work out for them in terms of results, etc. You know, so they brought in a new manager. The interim, um, the interim head coach is a Gifton Noel Williams. I think he's been at the club for a while. So, it, you know, it will be interesting to see what he is able to do with the players that they have there going forward for the rest of the season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, totally missed me. Uh, forgive me, pod people. I just... Yeah, was, um, I the timing was, 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 was interesting. Yeah. May all old managers be forgot. But... Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I think that it felt a bit more measured. Um, yeah. In terms of that, that move where I say when Kirk was was let go of Everton, that felt a bit reactionary. It felt well, like he needed he should have had more time, but that's a, yeah. a discussion for a different day. But yeah. yeah, I mean that was very Kirk's decision was very much like a Walking Dead episode of someone trying to get in and you stopping taking their arm off and closing the door. It was very much like that. It was it was abrupt. Yeah. This. You know, as I say, it, it skipped me by. Um, I'm conscious of time, so I'm going to say this and then see what you think about this. Uh, we always talk about the game growing and it having the right investment, the right people in it. Uh, buying into the future, as I've titled this little snapshot. Janine Becky, part owner of Simcoe County FC in Toronto League One. Wow. No messing. 
thoughts, Sophie? Um, if you did, did, did that, did that, did that, did you not, not see that? I bet you didn't. I scoop, I got the scoop. Yeah, I might have been asleep. Um, yeah, I got the scoop. Uh, I think it's it's cool. Um, what yeah. we get, what we've been hearing a lot from from the Canadian national team players is, where's our league? Where's our team? And then WSL, what can we yeah, do? Exactly. Why, you know, women's football in Canada and football in general in Canada is is only so big. Obviously, you've got ice hockey and and, and such that to contest with. Um, and you look at sort of like the Canadian national team on the men's side, there isn't a particularly rich history of of good performances there. Um, I say that as an Orange fan, so Simeon Jackson will always have a, a, a place in my heart. But um, and, and now you've got Alfonso Davies, who's just ridiculously good. But he's um, super good. He's so good. He's so but that's it's an area where you kind of look and Canada have just you know they just won the Olympics, and we are just desperate. Um, we they North Americans people around the world to see Canada and Canada soccer do more in terms of having a, a, you know, growing the game at home. So to see someone like Becky invest, you know, I mean, the interesting thing about uh, Janine Becky wasn't born in Canada, um, was, you know, grew up in um, in Colorado, spent so long down in, in Texas, you know, uh, that was where she went to, to university was Texas and she played for the Dash. So, you know, she's not as if she's, she's not as Canadian as poutine or, or you know, or whatever. She's more as American as apple pie, but you know, she, she has such, such a love for the country. She, she represents that, you know, so, so she's now investing in teams in Toronto. It's massive to, to, to see. And yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's one way of growing the game. It's, it's, you know. For me, I think someone who's actually not so much just playing the, the Olympic success, but also, you know, so well regarded within the Manchester City team to to walk into the changing room and go, you know, some people say, oh, she's my, you know, role model, she's my hero. But to see someone who's actually taking the next steps in terms of where their career will go when they finish playing, to say, I'm investing in the team now. I'm still playing, but I'm investing in it now. And that in itself will send a signal to so many I think players right now that they can look at it and think there's hope for us to do something other than what we've been doing before. And it opens up the door because what you don't know in comparison to, to the crypto.com sponsors, crypto, you need someone who's ethically okay to come in and, you know, you know, Mm. you got Batman and you got the Joker. She's Batman. I'm hmm. <laughs> oh, sorry. One all uh, TV film there. So, oh, it's, it's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, TV film. So I just I just look at it and I think to myself, okay, if you're um, a player and you're, you're looking at how you can use your money or whatever <clears throat> salary you earn, how you can invest it, you know, is it crypto? No. Is it football? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. it is cool. Yeah. It is cool. It makes it feel like she's she's really got her head on the shoulders. You know, I've, I've talked to her a couple of times. She's um, yeah, she she's an interesting player, and she she's she, I think she's she's got more facets than people realise. But yeah. that's re- that's really good. That's really good. I'm I'm glad. I, I I think I've covered everything. I think is there anything that? Oh yeah, Steph Houghton signed a new 
new contract. Mm. I think she'll be playing until she's like 40. I I think that she'll be playing as long as she's enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I say, you know, not to get into the the, the, the deep and the personal. You know, we, we know a bit about what's going on in her, in her private life. Oh. You know, whether football is an escape or a distraction, you know, it's, it, she has to sort of balance it out. And, and, you know, so. Yeah. But I generally think she'll play until she's 40. I think she, I think she, I think she could. You know, yeah. I think she generally could. And, you know, and I don't see why. I think play as long as you can because you're a long time retired. You know, so mm-hmm. there's a game and you think I can give you 20 minutes. I'm keeping my boots. <laughs> I'm keeping my boots. Uh, Sophie, um, where can we find you? you give out your Twitter hand. Oh, it's there on the screen, isn't it? At Lawson underscore SV. You the person. What have you got planned for this week? Zip. I am about to shoot off to the quiz in Wembley. Um, trying out a new a new team name as I will hopefully be doing every week yeah. uh, uh, for the week. Uh, uh, try and watch some some Connie Cup tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, Connie Cup. What's that? No. Uh, try and do that. Carry on with 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 the podcast that I've attended attempted to, to set up. Which no, is I just me- like it. I like it. You keep cracking on. Yeah, just yeah. football where I can, sleep where I can, that type of yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that basically uh, football and if you can sleep, you may try it. <laughs> All right, everyone, um, that's it for this week. Uh, I'm Rodney, that's Sophie, uh, and this was All and Off the Pitch pod chat. Uh, until next time, laters. I just want to watch the game.